1: Now detonate the reality
2: bomb! I will build a great Wall. Some alien race to come down and threaten us. Is the singularity near? The truth is out there. The military industrial complex. The seven mountains are the influencers of culture. To be as
1: gods, you know. Change has come to America. Catapults of propaganda.
2: From a secure location on top of the ridge in the heart of the beautiful Missouri Ozarks. This is A View from the Bunker. Now, here's Derek Gilbert. It may surprise you, but uh, the vast majority of people who call themselves Christian on planet Earth really don't believe in about, uh, what, 25% of the Bible? Welcome to A View from the Bunker. I'm Derek Gilbert. I'm talking about Bible prophecy specifically, and uh, a new film that is based on prophecies of the return of of messiah in fact it is now the number one documentary in america the honest way to becoming the number one christian film in america and we welcome back to the program for the first time in far too long uh the founder and executive director of ingenuity films the writer and director of the number one best-selling documentary the coming convergence and the man behind the new film just released a few weeks ago uh, narrated by kevin sorbo before the wrath we welcome brent miller jr to the bunker brent it's good to talk with you again
1: yeah, thank you, Derek, for having me on. This is uh, this is fantastic.
2: We uh, saw each other for a bit in uh, San Antonio at the uh, uh, conference there uh, last summer, and a, boy, a lot has changed since then. Uh,
1: <laughs> yes, it has.
2: Yeah, here in uh, in the U.S. Uh, and around the world, uh, as we're watching a lot of well, stress, a lot of fear. In fact, as uh, we we look at the spread of this uh, this virus which is causing a lot of economic hardship. And now you're seeing some very harsh words being exchanged by the Trump administration and uh, the government of China, which uh, you could almost argue accounts for all four of the writers of the apocalypse in Revelation 6. Um, When you look at, uh, before we get into the, the subject of the film, Before the Wrath, when you look at what's happening out there, how closely do you think this tracks with end times prophecy? And, and what is your takeaway from all this?
1: Um, I, I mean, you couldn't make this stuff up. Well, what's happening now with, with COVID-19, the coronavirus seems to play 100% into biblical prophecy. And in fact... Is So related to the film that's been in production for three solid years, by the way, we began uh, shooting it on a set down in LA uh, almost three years ago. And it's as if it's just follows this prophetic timeline that was discovered and uncovered that that we present in a way where it literally is overwhelming evidence that we truly are coming to the convergence of the end times. In fact, our previous film, uh, The Coming Convergence, which was a, a number one bestseller in the United States, essentially foretold how and why the convergence of all these events are, are coming to, to a point that will trigger the tribulation period. And all the changes and the reactions that we're seeing globally right now with the coronavirus comply with those exact predictions from the coming convergence. So we have seen an explosion, a resurgence of people Watching the coming convergence again and if the coming convergence was uh, The warning of the approaching end times this new film before the wrath is definitely the promise of of The conclusion to God's plan. I mean it's absolutely shocking Um, in fact The the fear it's I would equate it just global to global hysteria Uh, last night um, uh, My wife and I were were out. Yes out (laughs) watching the news um, at a, at a restaurant. And, uh, it reported that just that the, the fear mongering, um, uh, which is far greater than anything prophecy has ever done, reported that if left unchecked, the coronavirus could, um, result in the death of over 2 million Americans. And, and I have to admit, even the knee-jerk reaction is, oh, is it, is this more serious than, than I believe it to be? And, and Derek, let me just first say, I'm not, um, playing down the severity of the coronavirus i know it's been impacting a lot of people out there and our hearts and prayers do go out to those that that are becoming sick and uh um and not doing well but unfortunately we live in a fallen world a world of of wickedness and murder and and disease and uh and and if you look into it even the united states and i'm sure this will be shocking to americans but even in the u.s we have 2.8 million americans die every single year um and that's from uh pneumonia and various viruses and whatnot and so if you take the the 2 million american death toll of going unchecked by the way this that, that means doing nothing and just letting this um this virus spread through the population Uh, the vast majority of those fatalities would actually be overlapping with the 2.8 million that are expected to pass in the first place. It would just be coronavirus instead of another form of pneumonia or what Mm -hmm. have you. So the, the overall picture, the truth of the matter, is that the overall death toll in the United States may go up a little bit, but it wouldn't double, it wouldn't be this... You know, this exponential value that the news keeps pushing and pushing. And what's so terrifying about this, and this is the bigger picture, this is how it really plays into this film and the return of Christ in the last days, Bible prophecy, is that this unprecedented fear, global fear, which actually comes down to a 2% chance of death. It really is. There's a 98% survival rate with coronavirus. That's the bottom line. that's been confirmed over and over again in country after country. So the bottom line is this, is that if the world is reacting in such overwhelming fear and hysteria to a 2% chance of death, what's gonna happen soon when the end times prophecies begin to unfold on biblical proportions where we're told that large percentages of the population are going to begin perishing. What's Mm. going to happen then? How is society going to react then?
2: Sure. You get uh, prophecies that, uh, uh, you know, a quarter of the the world or a third of the world here and there, depending on uh, where you're at in the book of revelation, will, uh, (laughs) uh, will, will lose their lives. So yeah, you can, you can imagine the panic. Uh, What, what would be the cause of then this, this type of irrational fear of something that 100% of us are eventually going to, uh, succumb to at one point you know at some point all of us are going to die so why the fear
1: uh the fear is because there is an incredible blindness that has just consumed the entire world the world no longer has hope for eternal life that's really the bottom line to cut to the chase and that's why what's happening now is a reflection of exactly what the last film the coming convergence and especially this new film before the wrath with kevin sorbo reflects it, it's it, it you know it's it, 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 in fact i have a little story about that later um but it is a direct result of the world losing any sort of hope or faith and not only the return of our lord uh, but in any kind of eternal life it's becoming an over overly humanistic secularized atheistic world just as prophesied in the last days and even within the church um, this film actually proves that the apostasy of the church isn't something that's to come. It's happening now. And it's so terrifying that it's, it's, this film is exploding throughout the church here in the United States. And it's about to be released in other nations around the world. And it really does prove exactly the kind of reaction, what we're seeing with COVID-19. If people are, have such a fear of death that there's no hope in eternal life, no hope for the return of Christ then something like the coronavirus is truly the end of days to them.
2: Mm. We we see this uh, manifest in other ways, too, where women who are told that there's a genetic tendency in their family toward certain types of cancers will have preemptive surgery and remove portions of their anatomy because they're afraid of what might happen if they actually catch it. Um, Yeah, people with hope of something better to come in the next life probably not as inclined to do something like that uh, the, mm-hmm. the movie itself before the wrath uh, which is started so strong and as you say you probably couldn't have timed the release any better if you had, if you had planned this um, what what is the film about what makes this different from other previous documentary films or teachings on film about the book of revelation about the end times
1: Yeah, I mean, a great question. But if I can back up real quick, you actually mentioned planning the timing of the release of this film. There's actually a a little bit of a funny story there is that over the last three years of production with this film in my 20 years of filmmaking and even working for MTV networks in New York City um, and being involved in broadcast, we have never, ever experienced the kind of back to back to back spiritual warfare and tragedies that have occurred during this entire production of the film Hmm. Uh, we've had uh deaths that affected the uh the uh, key elements to our production crew um we've had uh, the fires in la we were supposed to record with kevin sorbo in a studio right in burbank for the narration and that's when the la fires broke out and so uh, he left Los Angeles and our entire crew had to reschedule three months later out in New York, uh, we, uh, with, with a new sound engineer and, and it's been, we've had, you know, public relations attacks. We've had, I mean, it's been literally one thing after another, after another, after another that's actually delayed. And the fans have, that, um, have been waiting for before the Wrath to come out. And there's a lot of them, uh, because we hear it on social media, uh, mm-hmm. so we, we love everyone's support. Um, that uh, the the delays for this film actually extended the launch window over an entire year. This was supposed to come out like summer 2018. And that's just the kind of relentless attacks that this film was receiving. Um, In fact, every morning, uh, the production crew here at Ingenuity Films, we would begin the day with a short Bible study and prayer. Um, just for God's will to be done with this film, because every day was just becoming an insurmountable challenge to continue to get to the end of this production. Um, and we always say, you know, God's timing is perfect. And in this case, it absolutely was. This film just began shipping to retailers two, three weeks ago. Um, and then, of course, you know, we see what's happening, the the hysteria on the world now and it's actually driving people to watch this film because this film is the hope. This film is genuinely the perfect response to the panic that we are seeing now and it's something that every believer and non-believer has to watch.
2: Hmm. So the uh, the film then and the the subject matter of the film. Uh what is it about before the wrath that uh, people are finding so encouraging? What aspect of the end times do you uh do you take to to um and then how do you go about making those point? Well, I'm making the question too broad. Uh, let me start that question again. What is it about before the wrath that people are finding so hopeful?
1: Well, it's no surprise. Well, maybe to some that the majority of people no longer believe that Jesus is coming back. I mean, that's why we're seeing in the, hyster- the hysteria on the world that we're seeing today. People don't believe anymore. And I even mean within the church itself. I mean, a lot of people go now, oh, hang on, Brent. No, the statistics really don't lie, and it's terrifying and shocking all at the same time. But first of all, 83% of the entire global population is not Christian. So by default, the majority of the entire world does not believe that Jesus is coming back. But then when you kind of take a... Um, look within the church, the actual beliefs of those that claim to be Christians, even just within the United States, you find that the data is even more terrifying. Um, in fact, we be uh, in this film, we work with Lifeway Research, uh, which is like Pew Research or the Barnum Group, mm-hmm. um, who's been working on analyzing trends for years in Christianity um, here in the United States specifically. And um, what we found out is that when it came to, for example, uh, the belief in the rapture, um, that only 36% of people believe in a pre-trib rapture. And that means you know, people kind of have this uh, this idea that maybe the pre-trib belief is the the majority belief within Christianity. It's not. It's 36%. Right. And uh, it continues to break down where I believe about 14% believe in, in, a, in a mid-trib view. And it, there's all these kind of alternate views now that are popping up and expanding. But that's not the shocking part. The shocking part, and we really had to dive into this data because we didn't believe it at first, was that 25% of Christians actually no longer believe in the rapture, um, and that statistic is is growing exponentially mm-hmm. every year, um, and that includes pastors. It means one out of four Christian churches in America don't teach the pastor or teach the rapture because they they say it's not real. And these are the same churches that are marginalizing Bible prophecy. And another terrifying statistic, you talk about a loss of hope in the world where things like coronavirus are just causing mass hysteria. Just wait for what's coming, according to to eschatology, Um, is that we found out that up to 98% of churches in the United States actually no longer talk or teach prophecy. Yeah. And that's based on some very interesting data, obviously, that's presented in the film in and, and, and far more detail. Um, so only 2% of churches on any given day can be found teaching from something from a prophetic book of the Bible or teaching about something prophetic. Now, what's terrifying about that and how this all kind of connects is that you can't remove prophecy from the Bible without removing, also removing the return of Christ. They're, they're synonymous with one another. You can't do
2: it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's what the whole point of the, the Bible is. It's about uh, his his return and the, uh, the the ultimate resurrection of the body of Christ. I mean, 1 Corinthians 15 is like an entire uh, course in uh, Christian theology right there. And uh, Paul spends about half the chapter on uh, the resurrection and uh, what is to come. Um, so when you... Began production on Before the Wrath. Uh, you, you you found some research discoveries from uh, an area where Jesus spent a good part of his life that uh, factored into the film. Uh, what were these new? I mean, what was the research? What was discovered that, that makes Before the Wrath different from uh, other films that have gone before?
1: Right, right. Yeah, in fact, there's there's nothing like Before the Rapture that has ever come out. That's why we ended up greenlighting the production with a pretty substantial budget as well. Um, but we're looking at this, what is truly a, a, a crisis in Christianity in the United States is that more people than ever don't believe in the rapture. Um, around 50% of self-proclaimed Christians actually don't believe that Jesus is coming back soon or, or if at all. Uh, I mean, th- th- this is terrifying. Um, And so we wanted to set out to say, hey, is there a way where we can get everybody back on the same page regarding the Lord's return With, with events like the rapture that are under attack more and more every single day? And we began working um, uh, several years ago with researchers in the Middle East. It was a 10-year a research project with Hebrew University and, and other uh, different Bible um, uh, uh, research uh, centers in Jerusalem and here in the United States. And so many people were working on this project of trying to determine, is, is there more evidence regarding the Lord's return? Is there something that we missed? um and the discovery that was made is so absolutely profound that it's exploding throughout the church right now no matter the denomination um and and the reviews are just absolutely off the chart it's already changing lives and it, you know initially one might think you know well there's nothing new under the sun you know, it should be in the bible it absolutely is in the bible that's what's so shocking about this discovery that mm-hmm. it's been right there under our noses all along right in the scriptures woven from the old testament all the way through the very end of revelation and it just seems as though scholars have missed the the point of why some of these things were all there. And it is based on new discoveries, specifically in the Galilean area. Now, now, let me back up, and and first let me start out by saying, we know that Jesus was a Jew, but I think a lot of people forget that he was more specifically a Galilean. Mm-hmm. And you would say, well, why does that make a difference? Well, you have to remember that all of his disciples, with the exception of Judas, of course— were Galileans as well, and what's very interesting about Galilee is that they they were pretty segregated from the main Jewish culture in the religious epicenter in in Israel, you know, in in Jerusalem. And Galilee, the Galileans actually had their own customs that the, the Israel as a whole, that the Jews as a whole, did not practice. And of course, Jesus uses um, parables. Uh, to to teach the things of heaven, the, the spiritual truths of God. So when his disciples came to him and asked about the end of days and his return, Jesus answered them. We even read about a lot of this, uh, some of this in Matthew, where Jesus answered them in incredible detail. Uh, but what we find out is that this entire time we're looking through this uh, theologically through a Jewish lens. And the new ancient anthropological discoveries are making in the Galilean region from records and even digging up some artifacts that they found for certain cultural ceremonies um, around Cana, for example, uh-huh. actually have completely. Oh, right. You're right. Again, Jesus' first miracle in Cana, Galilee. Mm-hmm. And so it, it all kind of connects to what his disciples understood. And if we actually look at some of these discoveries, of what they understood from a Galilean point of view, not just a specifically a Jewish point of view. It actually opens your eyes to what Jesus taught them about his return, the rapture and the end of days in a way that literally changes your life.
2: Seeing the Bible through the eyes of the apostles and understanding what they knew about the world around them helps us to understand what Jesus was prophesying about his return.
1: Right. Absolutely. And, uh, What's incredible is that they began studying some of these customs um, in Galilee, and what they found out and is that we've all kind of heard well some of us have heard about the parallels between the Jewish wedding and the return of Christ, um, you know where it, it, it first uh, uh, the groom and the, the bride would get betrothed, the groom would leave to prepare a place he would build onto his father's house. then to this very day in the Middle East, uh, in areas they still do this. Um, in, in several different many different cultures, the bride would have to wait about a year later then the, the wedding ceremony would take place. And this kind of parallels the timeline that we see at the end of days from the first coming through the rapture into the second coming of Christ. And you know, it, it's all been very kind of theologically sound and people have done a lot of research on this and, and the, uh, the parallels are absolutely brilliant and phenomenal. but there were some major pieces missing. From this prophetic timeline, it's like a prophetic wedding, something that the Galileans understood more deeply than even we did today. We missed so much of it.
3: Hmm.
1: Um, and, um, and so uh, this, this prophetic wedding timeline that Christ essentially left with the Galileans, if you look at specifically Christ's Galileans culture, that where he was speaking to them specifically relating to them specifically about his return it actually proves that not only is the rapture completely real but it has to happen soon christ is absolutely coming back and when you understand why it changes everything and, you know and, and and let me say that that's actually kind of the key is the why why does christ have to come back a lot of christians take it for granted that he is coming back to save his church from the wrath of god but they don't understand why and christians can't even get onto the same page as to how and why you know our our messiah is returning what is the non-believing world supposed to think
2: yeah Um, Yeah, <laughs> it's well, it's uh, always struck me that uh, without uh, understanding the book of Re- Genesis and the book of Revelation, it's like building a house, not only building your house on shifting sand is putting it's building a house and not putting a roof on top. So you've got no foundation. You've got nothing to keep the water from getting in and ruining uh, everything inside. Uh, there's really no point to it without uh, the beginning and the end of the story. Right? Maybe right. that's, maybe that's yeah. even maybe that's even a better uh, analogy. It's like it's like uh, putting together a movie, producing a film and only having the middle.
1: <laughs> exactly in fact uh you know when polling churchgoers um the, the, the most contention that's generated uh, regarding the rapture uh in the last days is always about the when you know pre-made post and and what events are unfolding and th- 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 these are very important debates very important discussions for sure um but no one asks the question why
0: yeah
1: mm. and, and so and this film actually answers why in such a way that I, i don't think you can ever look at um you know the rapture the same way again and we've been told um that by a lot of people that this is hands down the most overwhelming smoking gun evidence ever presented that proves the rapture is real um In fact, we had a a film premiere out in California. It was a sold-out premiere with all walks of life, which was very surprising. Young, old people, different religions, all at the film premiere for before the wrath. Uh, Very surprising. And even those that came in admitting to be agnostic walked out saying, you know, this is the best argument I've ever heard for the return of Christ. And that's a powerful statement.
2: How does understanding the rapture and the need for the rapture affect the faith of young people?
1: Um, well, that actually all comes back to the marginalization of Bible prophecy, kind of what we, what we began talking about. I mean, ultimately, that, that's the hope. In fact, it is the gospel itself. The gospel is that Christ came, died for our sins, rose from the dead, went to heaven, and he's coming back for us one day. If you leave out the coming back for us one day, then you, you've gutted the Bible. You, you don't fulfill God's plan. So if he's not coming back, then how can you believe any of it? Remember, uh, they say 25 to 30 percent of the Bible is prophetic, roughly about 2,500 prophecies, and two-thirds of them have come to pass already. So that has come to pass historically, and we know that through even extra-biblical historical records. Then the remaining one-third of the prophecies must come to pass. But this all comes back to prophecy being marginalized in the church, especially with young people. Because as I previously stated, you can't remove prophecy from the Bible without also removing the return of Christ, right? That's Mm -hmm. why so many Christians aren't even sure if he's really coming back. But there's a bigger problem actually happening too, and this has to do with the apostasy, is that if you remove prophecy from the Bible— which is God's way of proving to us that he is God. We're even told, uh, I tell you these things uh, that, that are going to happen. So when you see these things, you will know that I am and believe. I mean, it's the point of Bible prophecy because it must be from a divine source. And so if you remove prophecy from the Bible, not only do you remove any discussion or validity behind the return of Christ, but you also are removing. Upwards of thirty percent of the entire Bible itself that proves that the Bible is of the one and only true God. So when you look at millennials and Generation Wires and and, and all these these younger generations that Christians these days, I'm sure a lot of people listening to this program now, where they just can't reach these people that don't understand the validity in the Bible. It's because the proof of why the Bible is real has been real has been removed, mm-hmm. and the proof is through Bible prophecy.
2: Yeah, and and ostensibly, I I would also argue that uh, because many of the characters that are in it, including the Holy Spirit and Satan, uh, are considered fictional make-believe or just symbolic by uh, many in the church, including some of the pastors. Um, Right. When when you put the film together, uh, you consulted with a number of uh, experts in this film to make the case who, who did you talk to and what did they contribute
1: oh wow we have uh, a lot of the researchers themselves um uh you know have, have been overseas you know, in, in some of these dig sites and looking at some of the discoveries in, in ancient anthropology for for years but the the roster that we put together i personally believe is one of the most amazing prophecy-oriented rosters we've ever seen in a film of this nature um, that really kind of help to explain and present these findings. Um, We have uh, uh, Jan Markell from Olive Tree Ministries, Mm -hmm. which is a huge supporter of this film. Um, We have Amir Safadi from Behold Israel. Yeah, Uh, Jack Hibbs um, from Calvary Chapel, Chino Hills. Uh, J.D. Farag um, is, is in the film. And, of course, from uh, LifeWay Research, we have the executive director himself, uh, Scott McConnell, and the qualitative director at LifeWay Research, Lizette Dillinger, who is phenomenal as well, uh, uh, explaining some trends. Um, And, of course, Jay McCarroll, which worked with some anthropologists overseas as well in uh, in Israel and has taught at some of the universities over there regarding this topic. And all together, it's just that the picture... Of why Christ must come back in the last days, why it's real, is so overwhelmingly powerful that it's you know it's it's no wonder why people are saying there is nothing like this out there. But if I can actually just provide a little more evidence about essentially the problem why young people don't believe, sure, you know, regarding uh, prophecy being marginalized in the church. Again, upwards of ninety-eight percent of churches um, don't want to talk about it. And even Jan Markel states in the film, it, it's because pastors no longer believe that it's going to grow their church. They say talking about Christ's return is not going to grow their churches. <laughs> that is just—I mean, that's that's the most insane thing I, I have ever heard. And yet, that is the state of the church here in, in America, and it's it's getting worse. And so. You remove prophecy from the Bible, you've gutted the Bible, you've removed almost a third of the entire Bible, it's gone. You don't talk about the return of Christ. So obviously the rapture is, you don't discuss that as well. You're creating a vacuum in the church where those who are interested in the end times, and we're told to watch, we're told to be ready... Uh, go to the internet, and it's filled by so many different theories and views that there's no no wonder why there's just exploding contention among Christianities as into the timing of the rapture and and the timing of, of end time events and and all these various things that's occurring. But again, regarding the the apostasy though the mm. loss of hope, kind of going back to what we're seeing with the coronavirus, just mass hysteria, this fear of death, this the over the overwhelming fear. Um, that even within christians where they don't have hope anymore along with with the the secular world i think is a direct result of prophecy being removed from the church and a lot of christians especially some i'm sure that are listening thinking well it it, it can't be that important and yet when you see the damage removing a third of, of god's word is having on the church the bigger picture that's occurring you'll discover that it's far more damaging than what even pastors believe. Um, in fact, you, you, we know that 70% of the population in America self identifies as Christian. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet, uh, then this was some result of, of working with, with, uh, Lifeway Research as well, also presented in the film. And, and it's shocking. And, um, when those Christians were, were pulled, right. Saying, okay, um, uh, do you agree with some of these core beliefs of, of Christianity and very simple questions a handful of very simple questions like do you believe that Jesus is you know, was the Son of God um, is the Son of God and the the only path to heaven do you believe that the Bible is is the complete divine word of God I mean, simple simple questions
2: Christianity and- 101.
1: Yeah, exactly. Christianity 101. Things that, you know, you, you would wonder, why are you asking me these simple questions? Now, of course, I, I agree with all of that. I'm a Christian. And yet, they have found that in the United States, only 15% of, of Christians mm-hmm. in the United States actually agree with core biblical teaching. That means that 85% of all Christians right now in the church no longer believe that the Bible is the complete divine word of God. I mean, let that sink in.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I've seen some of that similar research from the Barna group. It's, it's shocking that, uh, the, the majority of, of American Christians think that they can earn their way into heaven or a substantial portion. Anyway, I think it was upwards of 40%, which uh, again should be Christianity one one You know, you cannot earn your way into heaven. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Um, but when you, you're, you're right, when you start cutting things out of the Bible, because this part is weird, we don't understand this part, and this is just symbolic, and uh, maybe John was just hallucinating anyway, uh, it it sort of gives license for people to read the Bible and then just kind of project their own interpretation onto it, rather than trying to draw out of it what the uh, prophets and apostles understood.
1: Right, absolutely. Um, In fact, and that's why we felt that now more than ever that this film is so crucial for the church, especially the the 98% that's marginalizing prophecy. Our goal is to get this into the hands of the pastors. We want them to show their congregations because some of them, they want to talk about prophecy. But of course, there's this incredible fear that's resulted from uh, prophecy being sensationalized in the media, not all media, uh, but a, a lot of the mainstream media sensationalizes it uh, to the point where it's people believe it's a fringe topic. They don't know how to debate it. Uh, they kind of started pulling away from teaching eschatology in seminary school years ago. So pastors are no longer equipped with things like apologetics to explain um, Bible prophecy in a way their congregations can understand. And so... Um, When it comes to the blessed hope, the return of the Lord, people hear about it, but they don't understand it at all. Not even Christians, the majority of all Christians in the church today, can explain why there must be a rapture. They can't explain why there must be. Then when someone comes along and they say, hey, you know, there there might not be a rapture. In fact, Jesus might not be coming back at all. They go, oh, well, maybe. And so the, the world is falling into this hopeless despair, and it's a lie. So this film really is meant for the sole purpose of rejuvenating, reigniting that discussion about the return of our Lord and having hope in this world. I mean, it also contains some very serious warnings for the church, but ultimately the ending is an emotional message of hope of why Christ is coming back for his bride, why he is coming back for his church before the wrath of God is poured out.
2: So, the comments that you 've gotten back from people who 've seen the uh, the film, which uh, as we 're recording this has been out for just a couple of weeks now um, and and doing very well which is which is wonderful to hear What are some of the uh, the common uh, responses common uh, observations that people have made about the film
1: um, it surprisingly there's so much contained within the the truth that's presented in this film the comments have been all over the place but shockingly off the chart positive which we did not expect everything from pastors who have claimed that for the first time in years they are now going to teach some of the findings presented in this film and talk about bible prophecy but for the first time in a long time at their their next sermon on Sunday. Of course, this is before the, um, you know, uh, the kind of public distancing is taking place. But um, pastors are now saying, this is a tool I can use to talk about the return of Christ and, and prophecy and bring it back. That actually doesn't create division, it unites, you know, and it's absolutely incredible to see that in, the, in these last days. Um, but uh what we find uh from Christians that are even continually going to church that they are founded in the word in their life we're hearing from them every single day in customer support emails phone calls even through olive tree ministries we're we're getting feedback uh from them over there and across the board it's been i never knew this you know people saying i've been a christian for 30 years and I have never, ever heard any of this in my life, and I'm sure 99% of Christians have never heard of this, and it's completely rejuvenated our hope in the return of Christ. And ultimately, that's the point, because we're, we're told Bible prophecy not to scare us, but to prepare us. And I know that's a line from Jack Hibbs. Sorry, Jack, it's a really good line. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but but it's absolutely true. So even though this film is about the, the the end times, the end of days, and there are some frightening warnings in it, and some truly terrible. Terrifying statistics. It, it really does end with a message of overwhelming hope. Uh, we find that large portions of, of people who have watched this, you know, are, are come walking away from this weeping and crying. And we even saw that at the film premiere too. I mean, it is an overwhelmingly powerful message.
2: Why did you choose the docudrama format to to share this evidence instead of just doing a straight-on documentary where you follow the archaeologist into the field and then the scholars into their libraries? Uh, Why did you choose to dramatize some of the elements of the story?
1: Yeah, that's actually an amazing question and something we first talked about ourselves before we even began production here in Ingenuity Films. We thought... Some of this research is recorded in, in some archaeological uh, writings and books and little fragments there and here. and And maybe this can be just presented in a book or maybe this could be presented just in a standard documentary where we show the evidence. But, you know, the impact and that's what it was, the more we looked at what was discovered the impact that it has on a life is so profound and is so needed in these last days, especially looking at these statistics of how much Bible prophecy is being marginalized, how much the church is falling away from their, their hope, that the blessed hope, uh, just the, the overwhelming blindness that's spreading through the church here in the United States and globally, that we, we prayed about what should the budget of this, of this thing being? Ultimately it's about an, an ancient wedding and the return of Christ. Are people even going to be interested in watching this? And the more we just put our faith in the Lord saying, what do you want us to do with this discovery? You know, will Christians even care, you know, with all the deception going on in the world these days. And we were led with in, in just being told that not only does this have to be produced as a film, but, It's actually our largest budgeted film we've ever produced in the history of ingenuity films. And it's a docudrama because this film truly portrays the love of Christ for us in these last days with these horrible things that are are happening all around us in such a way. That the only way to really get that message across to not only those that are losing hope within the church, but especially to those that aren't believers, that have no hope out there in the world, is to present it with actors with an unfolding true story from the time of Christ that portrays the emotion, the seriousness, and the love that God has for us of why he must come back, why it's real, and why we can genuinely better lives on it.
2: When people get that message, how then would they apply it, coming back to the beginning of our conversation, to what we see happening around us with the economy that appears to be falling apart, the Treasury Secretary telling senators, if you don't pass this package, we could have 20% unemployment, which we haven't seen in the United States since the Great Depression in the 1930s. Right. There are a lot of people out there who are going to go through a lot of economic hardship, if the, even if they manage to avoid the virus itself. How can people looking at that and saying, even if we keep our family healthy, we don't know how we're going to make the rent and put food on the table. How would they take encouragement from before the wrath?
1: Right. Well, the encouragement of the film is the same encouragement that we we are taught in the Bible, because ultimately this film is. Founded one hundred percent on on the word um, and that 's that no matter what is going on in this world, we have to let it all go. you know this world is perishing, it is passing away, and our hope cannot be in the things of this world. All the promises in this world are of satan they 're empty they 're lies. You, know, you you can't get out alive so to speak the only <laughs> i mean you, you can't you know all, all the all the pleasures and the abundance and the so-called you know security that that people feel that they have it's all a lie it's an empty shell and the only true hope that we have in life is eternal life with Christ in the next life that that's life with him um and that's um that's ultimately the hope the only hope that there is and so you know, just like receiving the gospel message and receiving Christ and having that hope of eternal life with him, you have to learn that no matter what happens in this world, no matter the hardships that that occur, that come along, it's temporary. And our real home is within Christ in heaven. And this film is probably one of the most smoking gun convincing messages yet of why it's absolutely real that it it just re it's reigniting hope across the church and it's spreading like wildfire.
2: Well said. It's uh, as Paul wrote to the church at Corinth, if in Christ we have hope in this life only we are of all people most to be pitied. Uh, Brent, one one final question. And this is just something that occurred to me because I've got an odd way of looking at things. Um, in, In a previous book of mine, I, Cited some research by a uh, a scholar who who documented etymologically that the Greek heroes like Heracles, Theseus, Perseus were just drawn from the uh, the Canaanites and the Amorites and their veneration of the Rephaim, who were essentially mm-hmm. just the Nephilim, Genesis six verses one through four. Uh, their veneration of the Nephilim, the Rephaim, was transmitted probably through Anatolia, you know, Turkey, to uh, to the Greek cultures. And that kind of veneration continued where they, they were, uh, you know, worshipped. Melkart, who was the chief god of the city of Tyre in the time of Jezebel and Ahab, Melkart mm. was just the Phoenician name for Heracles. And since Heracles was the son of Zeus, and Jesus in Revelation 2 pretty much identified Zeus as Satan, mm. was it kind of weird having Kevin Sorbo, who played the son of Satan, a Nephilim? One of the Nephilim <laughs> narrating this film. Did that ever come up in conversation?
1: <laughs> actually, no. That is never actually.
2: Well, I'm not up. really surprised.
1: <laughs> no, but I mean, I, honestly, Kevin Sorbo, who who's very clearly a very uh, uh, outspoken uh, conservative and, and Christian, um, you know, he's kind of standing up against, um, you know, the, the marginalization of Jesus and Hollywood has been an incredible supporter of the film. And, uh, he's been absolutely fantastic, uh, to work with. And, uh, um, you know, like us, he, he's fighting the good fight in these last days, just trying to get the truth about Christ out there. Mm-hmm.
2: No, I I follow his Twitter feed. So I'm very aware of that. Uh, And another friend of ours actually played golf with him a couple of weeks ago. And uh, we're hoping we could exploit that friendship to get uh, Kevin for an interview. But uh, uh, I I understand he's a very, very busy guy, but a a real coup to get him for the film Before the Wrath, which is available now. Uh, Where do people go to see uh, Before the Wrath and uh, even uh, perhaps your, your earlier films like The Coming Convergence?
1: Um, well, Before the Wrath is uh, available uh, at BeforeTheWrath.com, and of course also Amazon and Olive Tree, and, and it's, it's rolling out to uh, all the major soon, uh, retailers soon, including Walmart, Target, and Best Buy, and of course digital uh, worldwide on almost every platform that there is. Um, uh, but uh, it, to see all the films that, that we've produced, you can go to IngenuityFilms.com.
2: Okay, and I'll put links to both of those sites in the show notes. You'll find the uh, show notes at VFTB.net or uh, wherever fine podcasts are sold, which is, of course, where you'll find a view from the bunker. The film is Before the Wrath, narrated by Kevin Sorbo, Brent Miller Jr., who is the founder uh, and executive director of Ingenuity Films, the man behind the the production. And God bless you, brother, for, for... bringing such production values to a topic that uh, is mostly overlooked by most of our churches
1: yeah thank you Derek. god bless you too it's been great
2: Brent miller jr ingenuity that's the company's website the film's website before the wrath.com and as we're bringing this to you on march 29th 2020 it is the number one documentary at amazon.com interesting a film about end times bible prophecy the number one documentary at amazon.com so check that out you'll find links in the notes at vftb.net coming up why we don't think covid19 is a total psyop that's straight ahead on a view from the bunker
3: Ladies and gentlemen, prepare yourself for one of the most shocking special offers in Skywatch TV history. We proudly announce the Shadowland Ultimate Collection. For your $35 donation during this very limited time offer, you'll receive the groundbreaking new book by Dr. Thomas Horn, Shadowland, that exposes the deep state actors at war with Christianity, Donald Trump, and America's Destiny. The best-selling book by Pentagon analyst Lieutenant Colonel Robert McGinnis, Progressive Evil, How Radicals Are Redefining America's Rights, Making Her Globally Irrelevant for the End Times. Author Carl Gallup's brand new book, Masquerade, that explains the supernatural forces operating behind current global events. But this critical three-volume collection also includes the original five-part Skywatch Television Shadowland Investigative series on DVD, absolutely free. Moreover, this incredible series contains the never-before-released on DVD world-exclusive behind-the-scenes interview regarding perhaps the biggest scandal and cover-up in U.S. history. So hot, we're unable to discuss the specific contents on network television involving a two hour investigative interview with new forensic information connected to the Robert Mueller report that may soon send shockwaves through Washington DC and around the world. But we're just getting started. The Shadowland Ultimate Collection also includes the brand-new, never-before-released audio series by Dr. Thomas Horn himself, The Hidden Occultism of Epstein's Orgy Island, what demonic atrocities were going on at Epstein Island, and who were the high-powered individuals involved in some of the darkest occultic activities the world has ever witnessed. The contents of this mind-boggling three-part exclusive audio series are far too sensitive for network broadcasting and are directly from the private vault of Dr. Thomas Horn, available nowhere else. But we're still not done. You'll also receive the best of Defender Publishing ebook collection on Datadisc, featuring 70 of the most information-packed, best-selling books in Defender history. These full-length works are in popular ebook format, so you can read them on EPUB, PDF, Kindle, and other handheld electronic devices. Give this collection as the ultimate gift to somebody you know or take them with you wherever you go. Valued at over $700 all by itself. This unprecedented collection sold separately holds a retail value of over $800. Yours now for only $35 plus shipping and handling. Don't miss this once-in-a-lifetime Skywatch TV exclusive offer, the Shadowland Ultimate Collection, available now at skywatchtvstore.com. Order online or call 1-844-750-4985.
2: Talk in the walk from the beautiful Missouri Ozarks every Sunday night. This is A View from the Bunker, online at vftb.net. Follow us on social media, Twitter at View from bunker, or my personal Twitter feed at Derek Gilbert. View From The Bunker on Facebook, and you'll find me on the new social media sites Parlay, P A R L E R, Savior Connect, and GORF.social under the username Derek P. Gilbert. Of course, the easiest way to keep track of this uh, weekly interview program download our free mobile app. Android, iOS devices, we got you covered. Look for the links in the uh, menu bar, or well, I think the left side sidebar there at vftb.net, or maybe it's the right-hand sidebar. I'm not looking at the website, but you'll find it there, vftb.net. A couple of schedule changes, uh, different events, events that have changed. We'll get to those in just a minute. Uh, first, want to talk about the uh, coronavirus outbreak, COVID-19. As we're recording this on March 29th, the president just wrapping up his uh, daily press conference with um, Dr. Fauci, Dr. Burks, Vice President Pence, other members of uh, uh, the private sector that are helping out representatives from FedEx, UPS, and so forth. Um, the official count right now worldwide is uh, 720,000. Here in the United States, the case count is 141,000. That's gone up from 122,000 this afternoon. Um, 17,600 new cases reported today. The The trend line here in the United States is on a curve where we've been doubling about every two and a half days. Every two and a half days, which means that by Thursday morning here in the United States, we should be at about 280,000 and by next weekend we should be at half a million unless that trend changes and we pray that it does. One of the uh, takeaways from today's press conference with President Trump is that uh, the federal government is recommending we spend another 30 days, another 30 days doing our best to isolate ourselves from unnecessary travel. And, you know, for us, that's not much of a hardship. Sharon and I are kind of introverted, which might surprise you considering how much content we put out each week um, between our podcasts. And we've relaunched PID Radio, by the way, if you hadn't heard. Uh, We're doing it every afternoon now. Uh, The thought was to do 10 minutes a day, and it's already lengthened to about 30. Uh, So between that and what we do for Skywatch TV, um, an hour, we're basically putting out four or five hours of content a week. Um, But at heart, we are really introverts, and we would be happy to stay home for a long, long time. But not everybody has that luxury. Uh, We're blessed in that we were able to put away enough for a while, over a long enough period, that uh, we could stay home for a while. Um, You may not be so blessed. And I I get that. I get that. We have not always been so blessed. Uh, So another 30 days could be a real hardship. Uh, And I understand why people may be thinking that this is all made up, that the threat doesn't seem really real. And I get that too. Sharon and I rarely take official stories at face value. We haven't for a very long time. That's what led us down this path. If we took the official story at face value, um, I'd probably still be selling steel. You know? Or preaching the gospel a a totally different kind of way. But um, at some point, when you're analyzing what's really real from open source intel, meaning what we can access on the internet, you have to triangulate from a variety of different sources. Uh, I am not one with a medical or even a science background, but Sharon is a degree with honors in molecular biology. And because she graduated as an adult student, you know, in her thirties, she actually studied unlike me. I got mine, you know, right after high school. So she's read enough academic papers about this virus coming from enough different sources, enough different places around the world, including China that, um, She is convinced, and thus I am convinced, that this is a real danger. Now, are there governments or people within government looking to exploit this, to extend their power? Yes, of course. It's what governments do. There are discussions taking place between government and uh, the high-tech industry to use our cell phones and the GPS data generated by those phones to track our movements, you know, to Control the spread of the virus, of course, but it doesn't take a lot of imagination and you don't even need to believe in end times prophecy to see how that would be really useful to a future one world government. That said, it doesn't mean that this virus is a hoax or made up or far less dangerous than what they've been telling us new estimate, which is um, similar to a model that uh, Dr. Birx and Dr. Fauci were talking about on today's update. this comes from the uh oh international medical what is it i m h e international medical um, that's a, it's a organization at uh, the University of Washington and I wish I'd written it down now but i didn't um anyway their their new model projects um, a much lower potential uh death toll here in the United States from the outbreak they're they're estimating uh eighty thousand deaths from this which is um still far too many, but it's certainly a lot lower than the two million that was originally projected or as a worst case scenario. Um this estimate from the I IM, IM, yeah, IMHE IHME. What well anyway, University of Washington, um a group that does modeling of um medical scenarios like this assumes that we're going to continue with strict um, isolation protocols and social distancing. But even with that, even with the lower estimate, which suggests to some that, hey, this isn't as bad as they thought it was going to be, uh, it it still suggests that because these cases are all hitting within the next few weeks instead of spread out over the course of an entire flu season like the annual influenza, um, they're estimating that by the middle of April, around April 14th, we're going to run into, we'll be in a situation where we're going to need about 50,000 more hospital beds than are available in the country. And uh, there are hot spots where you've got bigger clusters of cases that will probably be in worse shape than uh, say us here in the Ozarks. I mean, for some reason, Springfield, Missouri has got a pretty high hospital bed per capita rate. Um, New York city, which is the epicenter here in the United States may be in real trouble in a couple of weeks. We'll know in a couple of weeks, probably. I mean, we we will likely know whether this has been overblown, hyped, out of proportion or not within a couple of weeks. And I pray that this model from the uh, IMHE is correct because it suggests that we should be past the worst of this by uh, late May, which would be awesome because we've got a lot of things that we had scheduled to do this year that... Um, would not be possible if we're going to have to be self-isolating through, uh, uh, you know, through the end of the year or, or even into the fall. So we are sincerely hoping that this is not as bad as, uh, we have been warned and that we'll be past the worst of this within the next, within the next, uh, say four to six weeks. But to that end, the president today asking all of us around the country to, um, Self isolate as much as is possible for another 30 days, and uh, we will see how this goes. Because again, if the models that they're working with are correct, and we pray they are. In fact, I'd be great. It'd be great if these were if these were overblown too. But uh, if the models are correct, we should see the curve in the number of new cases begin to decline after the middle of April, and I pray that that is correct. So. Uh, As we've been telling you, the uh, Scottish Bible Prophecy Conference, which was scheduled for late April in uh, Troon, Scotland, near uh, Glasgow, that has been canceled. That may be rescheduled at some future date, but don't have any information on that right now. Future Vision 2020, the Prophecy Watchers Conference for June in Colorado Springs, June 18th through 21st, that is going to become a virtual conference. We'll have more details on that as they become available. Uh, The following week in the Battle Ready Conference in San Antonio... Have not heard any news on that one yet. As far as we know, that is still on June 25th through 28th at the Grand Hyatt, San Antonio. Stephen Bankars, Russ Dizdar, Pastor Carl Gallups, Brandon Gallops, Rabbi Zev Porat, and a musical guests Cutlass and John Schlitt. For more information on that, battlereadyconference.org. The True Legends Conference in July, July 10th through 12th. That has become a, a virtual conference. In fact, um, that means I've got to get my presentation done like tomorrow. Literally, but you know what I'm saying, like right now, instead of pushing it off till June, which is probably what I would have done, uh, because we're going to be recording these. And there'll be more information forthcoming at Gen6.com, G-E-N-S-I-X.com. No decision yet on Skywatch TV's Defender Conference. We'll let you know on that as soon as a decision is made. If things peak and level off we pray that that is still a go. Um, the first weekend in September, the Igniting a Fire Conference. This is new from here, the Watchmen. We will be in uh, Boise for that at the Riverside Hotel. Beautiful facility. We were there in 2018, uh, 2018 or 2017, was it? The uh, Great American uh, Eclipse. The year's running together now. Uh, we'll be there with our colleagues from Skywatch TV, Donna Howell, Allie Anderson-Henson, um, Gon Shimura, uh, Stephen Bankers, another just yeah, kind of a younger group here. Oh, the the Fall brothers. That's what I was trying to remember. Justin Fall and Westfall. Uh, information on that at HearTheWatchmen dot com, and uh, still no decision yet on the SkyWatch TV tour of Israel. Uh, That is scheduled for mid-October, October October 12th through 25th, with an optional four-day extension to Sardinia. A separate eight-day extension, a separate eight-day tour of Sardinia, October 29th through November 5th. Uh, We are still proceeding as though that's on, but we're going to make a decision on that by the end of uh, April. So uh, keep your eyes on that. Skywatchinisrael.com is the website there. Skywatchinisrael.com. Now, this weekend, Sharon and I agreed to join another conference in September. So we are praying that by September we will be uh, cleared for travel. This is the Nephilim Again conference. Uh, we've been invited to uh, join L.A. Marzuli, Russ Dizdar, and our colleague now with us at Skywatch TV, Drew Graffia, with... Um, Videotaped appearances, uh, Gary Stearman from Prophecy Watchers, Chief Joseph Riverwind, and more. This is September 18th, 19th, and 20th at uh, the historic Cherry Valley Cherry Valley Lodge in Newark, Ohio. And if you're in Ohio, please let me know. Is that the correct pronunciation? Because, because I, I used to know some folks who lived in Newark, Delaware, and they were very clear that uh, Newark, Delaware is not pronounced like Newark, New Jersey. So uh, I want to make sure I get New, Newark, Newark. Ohio or Newark, Ohio, correct, whichever way it is. But for more information on that conference, um, NephilimAgain.com, NephilimAgain.com, and we're honored to uh, be a part of that. So that's what's on the calendar. You'll find more at our weekly, uh, at the website for our weekly Bible study, gilberthouse.org, gilberthouse.org. We're going to put all of our calendar stuff there to keep it centralized. And uh, so as uh, things change, develop, Uh, or are added to the calendar. You'll find them at gilberthouse.org. A View from the Bunker is a production of Gilbert House and released under Creative Commons Attribution on Commercial Node Derivatives 4.0 International License. Our opening theme, Iron Bacon by Kevin McLeod. His website is incompetech.com. Our announcer, DC Good. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. I'm Derek Gilbert, and this is A View from the Bunker.